Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello, and welcome to the CM360 podcast. I'm Richard Steenan, Chief Research Analyst at IT Harvest. I write about IT security, work with IT security technology providers on their go-to-market, and I'm a trusted advisor to CISOs and their teams. IT Harvest is an industry analyst firm that covers over 3,192 vendors in the IT security space. In this episode of the EM360 podcast, I'm speaking with Sarvesh Jaganavas, who is VP of Marketing at Portworks. We're going to be talking about driving data services and making developers' lives easier. Welcome, Sarvesh. Thank you so much, Richard. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, this is great because obviously we're at a turning point in the world of IT and, and uh, digital as everybody is quickly learning uh, how to move on that path to digital transformation and move all their workloads to the cloud and, of course, the applications that run on them. Tell me how Portworks is helping this along. Thank you for the opportunity. So let me, um, let me start by saying that Portworks works with the Global 2000. We have about 350 large name customers globally. And the thing that we've seen with our customers is basically uh, people are trying to drive, create kind of awesome customer experiences um, with, with all their interactions with their customers, right? So whether you're a global banking giant offering digital banking or you're a pharmaceutical company developing drugs for COVID or, you know, you may be a gaming company uh, which is offering a global massively multiplayer online game or a quick service restaurant, you know, trying to create kiosks on which people can place their orders and so forth. But you see in all of those, it's really about companies trying to create great customer experiences. So they've got to think about ways in which they can develop applications uh, for these digital experiences, because after all, people use the web, mobile devices, tablets, kiosks, um, kind of omni-channel interactions, in-store interactions for all these experiences. And companies are trying to do slick experiences so customers feel great about uh, working, with, uh, working with those companies. That's essentially what our customers are trying to do. And in the large scheme of things, that's what we are helping our customers enable for their customers. That rings true. It's so often that I visit a website or try out an app and invariably it's, you know, my local pharmacy or my hospital or my bank. Don't get me started. And it's, they're horrible experiences. And I would desperately move immediately to a different uh, provider if only they had good experiences. What are some of the challenges that you see people you know, creating these digital experiences uh, going through. So, so let's think about how these digital experiences are created, right? So it really ultimately comes down to applications. So applications on the web, on mobile devices, and all these other interfaces we talked about. Many companies staff up with thousands of developers, uh, both internal and or external developers with whom they work. Um, and they are, they are building they're building code and um, they're working with DevOps teams so that whatever is being built can also ultimately be run at scale um, because these applications are going to be accessed 
um, access globally and in different quantities based on seasons and things like this, right? So these are these are things that need to be developed by a robust set of people who are putting those things together. So if if that's the key, let's say, infrastructure with which you're building the applications for your customer experience, you want to make sure that these developers are highly productive, that we are offering everything required for those developers to have the things they need uh, when they need it so they can be working at the, the highest quality and the highest speed possible. So that's the first thing. Make your developers as productive as possible. Second, everything that's being built needs to then be run globally at scale with resilience so these systems are running in a way that when customers experience them, both external and sometimes internal customers or your partners, when they experience them, um, they find it to be um, at the level that the expectations are for how these how these applications need to run. Um, so that's the second piece. So whatever you build, you should be able to run at scale. And the third thing is, so you want to take on um, appropriate costs to run these. So, you know, there are many companies that are running thousands upon thousands of applications. So you don't want to have runaway costs, either particularly in current, uh, in the current economy. You want to make sure that you're running it on an infrastructure that's cost effective um, and still gets the returns you need. So those are the three key challenges, right? Get your developers productive, run these things at scale, and you know, in 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 the face of disasters, too, make sure that they are still um, able to run, and run them at reasonable costs. Get them at the cost level where it's creating value for the company. Those are the three key challenges um, our customers and many people that we speak with are faced with, and they're constantly make it's a challenge to get those three things right. That's how they do it. I'll say when I when I think of especially you use the word resilience. I just think of availability, right? It's like, how many nines are you going to give me? And can you achieve that? Uh, Because if it's not there when I need it, it's not going to be a good experience. So how would you recommend approaching these challenges? So um, obviously, the world has started moving to, you know, containerization, right? The reason people have started to containerize is they can build numerous microservices and run them with efficiency globally. So we're not going to get into why containerization versus virtual machines and so forth um, in this in this discussion. There's, I'm sure, a lot of discussions that have happened about why containerization in itself. So given that given that backdrop, we've got to look at models and how it happens outside our own kind of IT environments to look at models that are um, that have proved very good for some some of these challenges. So, for example, when we go into our own grocery stores or retail environments now, there used to be a time when we all used to stand in line at the cashier. Now you can, you know, you're able to walk up and self-service the checkout experience, right? So you, if somebody can, they've got only a couple of things in their hand, they can easily self-service themselves out um, and use a credit card by tapping and walk out. You know, Amazon recently has even introduced the notion of you know, pick up the products you want. And as you walked in, they know who you are. You pick the products you want and you just literally walk out the store and you get automatically billed through technology. So that's complete self-service. Now that's an experience the customer is getting. Why not 
create a similar work um, experience for developers internally within companies. So they don't have to stand in line and take a ticket to get infrastructure approved or data services lined up for them. So if they're looking for, um, let's say, a modern database like, you know, our data service like Kafka or Cassandra or CockroachDB or any of those modern services, um, Redis and things like this, they shouldn't have to stand in line. So if there is a way in which they can just access it and start developing it, um, it'll be it'll be a way to kind of create significant productivity for developers. So that's on the development side. Now, but the same thing ultimately has to run. Um, so you can't build in an environment and then has to be somehow ported over to production in a completely different environment, right? So you've got to make sure that the place they're executing the, um, writing the code in uh, ultimately is testable and can go into production with simplicity and ease. So um, if there are platforms that can do that, um, that'll be great. So it's the same platform on which they're developing. So that's why companies um, have started using cloud in a massive way, right? So developers can develop against services in the cloud, but then the same cloud can run it at massive scale globally. That's the reason why cloud gets so much attention and so many com- large companies are moving to the cloud. Now that brings another issue, which is you may not be using all the services in the cloud, but many a times you're paying to be in the cloud. It's You start really well because you get lots of services that you cannot otherwise have built on your own easily. But then you're locking yourself in to long-term services that are proprietary to a single cloud provider. So if you can then run in the cloud or in the data, um, or you don't know data center, but if you're able to run services that are portable across these environments, you'd be better positioned for long-term costs as well. So literally that, self-service for developers, the same platform can run um, in production, post-development and QA and testing. And then the same environment can run in multiple places so you're not locked into kind of single-threaded kind of cost structures. Those are the three things people approach the problem in, in a way to to both create agility and speed, create scalability, and then make sure that your costs are in line with where you need to go. Makes sense. So so multi-cloud, including private cloud, which also contributes to the resilience. Um, okay, let, let's talk about how Portwork, Portworks helps this journey to create these great customer experiences. Great. So Portworks is a data platform for containers. So essentially what we offer are a number of these data services we, we've been talking about, you know, Kafka, Cassandra, Elastic, MySQL, Redis, um, um, TensorFlow, things of this nature, simply easily on the platform so developers can self-service those applications or those data services themselves. So IT or you know uh, the platform teams set it up one time and create secure rules-based self-service offerings for the developers to to be able to access it. So DevOps teams now can access those databases or data services, build against them at really low cost in terms of infrastructure at this point because it's in the development environment. And the same environment can then be shifted over for QA and testing, and the same environment can run in production as well. So uh, Portworx essentially is built for containers. And what happens is 
if you think about uh, containers running and that they need infrastructure, they need storage and, and so forth. And storage is a physical construct and containers are a really dynamic construct. So containers can be placed on various nodes in your infrastructure. And Portworx enables kind of a robust storage for, um, so first layer, we're talking about data services. Second layer offers a way in which storage is made as dynamic as, for example, an orchestrator like Kubernetes does for containers and com compute. So you hyperconverge all storage and make it available for wherever the container needs to run. And also has created a mechanism by which these containers or these applications are highly available by um, by replication, by multi-regional um, you know, deployments, and also making sure that you can get the right level of disaster recovery based on the kind of application it is. So if it's an application meant for high volume transactions um, or for a banking system, you might you might think that you don't want you don't want to have any data loss in the event of a disaster. So you might think about a zero RPO disaster recovery, but then there may be other applications where you might accept a few minutes of data loss or a few seconds of data loss based on the importance of the application. So you can set up disaster recovery uh, within your system in multiple ways to make sure that your applications are meeting their goals for your customers. So Portworks essentially makes storage available for the containerized world. Um, that's the second piece. And the third piece uh, Portworx also does is for compliance and security reasons, you want to back up your applications, you back up your namespaces that comes within uh, in containers and Kubernetes, and you're able to restore them as you need them. So for compliance reasons or for internal security reasons, you if you're backing up your applications, previously when you were backing up machines for VMs, that's a construct where you're backing up an entire machine. But now with containers and Kubernetes running, orchestrating those containers, you want to you know, back up all the elements that are required for a Kubernetes application to come back up. And those are not you know, boxed within a box. Um, they are across multiple nodes. So you, you are able to um, back up namespaces or applications. And when you recover them and restore them, it comes back in a format where you're able to run them again in within Kubernetes. So that's the third thing uh, Portworx does. So data services, storage robustness for disaster recovery, high availability in global, as well as backup and recovery um, in a robust form. So with those three things, you are now able to run, if you run Portworx on top of your containers, whether on a cloud or in your private cloud data centers, you're, and then it's fully portable from any environment to another. What that does is now you're able to provide data services for self-service for your uh, developers. Second, you've made it production ready and it's um, you can run it globally. And you're not tied in to any particular uh, cloud or data center. You can actually make it fully portable with Portworx. So those are the three fundamental things we offer. And we're able to address some of the questions um, our large customers are grappling with because of that. I like that, thinking of uh, what I've heard so often from uh, CIOs and chief digital transformation officers when they're talking about cloud transformation is they say it's the role of the CIO or even the security department in, in some cases to you know, make available tools 
but assign guardrails, you know, so they'll, you know, in, in a bigger configurations, they'll assign those, you know, how big is a VM, et cetera. And then, but what you are talking about is your customers, when they start engaging with Portworks, can assign those guardrails, and then the developers are free to basically self-service as they develop and deploy their, their applications. So I'm wondering about a, a use case. Um, I talked to one very large company that got hit by ransomware, and they had backup and a recovery system, so they could get most of their desktops and servers back up and running. The one thing they didn't have access to were the you know real-time configurations of all their Kubernetes clusters. Um, if they had been using Portworks, it sounds like that would have been taken care of for them. That, that's, a, that's exactly the use case for Portworks backup and recovery. So in, in the case of ransomware and so forth, that, uh, that we are able to provide robust tooling such that you're able to get past some of these kinds of issues. And, you know, we're not going into the depth of technology here uh, in this particular discussion, but uh, there is a lot of nuances and um, requirements and, you know, how companies set themselves up for way to recover from um, these sorts of these sorts of issues. What, what I also, you know, meant to say earlier, Richard, is that, you know, some of the customers with whom we have worked on um, these sorts of uh, concepts we've just described are able to achieve somewhere between 10 and 15% you know, additional productivity for developers because they're not. So by the way, standing in line for getting a new service provision is the first aspect of it. But then there is change throughout the life cycle of an application. So there's constant change for every change. If you're waiting for IT to set something up, then you're still kind of um, getting delayed. So in terms of productivity, it's some 10 to 15%. In terms of overall cost, in full-scale applications running um, on the cloud. The thing that Portworks also does is it provisions infrastructure thinly and only makes sure that you're only using as much infrastructure as needed. So it's consumption-based. Consumption-based not only from pricing, but consumption-based in terms of actual use of infrastructure. So we see somewhere between 50 to 70% of your cloud infrastructure costs going down because you're setting it up robustly with Portworks sitting right on top within your cloud. So that's the second big thing in terms of overall cost savings and so forth. And obviously getting away from ransomware attacks and having backed up you know, applications which are container applications which have been backed up um, creates additional value as well. So there's some significant value to be able to drive a thoughtful approach to um, infrastructure um, for containers. And so that's what Portworx has been able to achieve. And our customers, large customers globally are the kinds of com- um, you know, institutions and companies I was describing earlier, banks, retail establishments, you know, insurance companies, um, pharmaceutical companies, telecom companies, global names are the kind that um, um, run, run Portworx for the exact reasons we've just been discussing. Fantastic, Sarvesh. Thank you for your great insight on this data infrastructure for Kubernetes and digital transformation in general. And thank you to everyone who listened to our conversation. 
If you'd like more information on what we've discussed today, make sure you head on over to partworks.com. We'll be back next week with another episode in our podcast series. Until then, make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all other major platforms. Follow the conversation on our socials at EM360Tech on Twitter and LinkedIn. And for more great daily content, head on over to EM360Tech.com. Thank you.